soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. got a different kind of treat for you today for Song of the Soul. My guest is Greg Harrigus, and he's a musician and composer out of the Twin Cities of Minnesota. I heard him performing at this year's Great River Folk Fest in La Crosse a couple weeks ago, and I had such a clear sense that there was deep spirituality as well as high quality in his fusion of American and world music, and I'm so pleased that he's accepted my invitation for Song of the Soul. Greg is joining us by phone. Thanks so much, Greg, for joining me for Song of the Soul. Thank you for having me. It's great to be on. Your name is Greg Harrigus, and when you perform, who are you known as, or what are you? Are you a group? Are you an ensemble? Are you an individual? Just what is it? It is pretty much that. It is Greg Harrigus and or (laughs) Greg Harrigus and Telluric Currents. Tillura Currents is the name of my latest CD, and it's also the name of the natural electrical currents that run underground. It started as the name of the CD, and I was hoping to make it the name of the ensemble, but the group kind of mutates itself a lot, and I am the constant element within that, and the CDs are recorded under my name, and I'm the composer. So it's more or less all about me, but not necessarily all about me. And why did you happen to choose that name, Tellurik Currents, for the group? What is that about for you? Well, in my fantasy world, what we're doing is harnessing some of these currents that pass through all different parts of the globe. 
harnessing the music that comes from those different places and more or less mutating it, fusing it and integrating it with the styles that we come from. I myself come from a progressive rock and classical guitar background, but I've studied ethnomusicology, and that's really where I'm at these days. I love to work with musicians from other cultures. I love to work with tabla, Hindustani vocal, Chinese pipa, and really integrate our styles so that we can create something new. The first song that you picked out is connected with Java. Is it the instruments? Is it the people? What is it about it that calls you? All of the above. Javanese court gamelan is something that I studied, and I actually played with a gamelan ensemble during my studies. What it struck me as, among many other things, was a real musical community, a musical situation in which every player is completely dependent on every other player, and there isn't really a soloist per se, at least most of the time. It shook up my perceptions of music in every way. In the West, we're used to music being structured around melody and harmony, and in Javanese gamelan, what you have is a series of intertwining melodies or variations on the same melody in all different ranges. The effect of this is kind of to create a texture or a super chord that contains all the notes of the piece being played. In lots of other ways, it's very different from the Western traditions. The rhythm is completely flexible, not static, but it is a really highly structured music and the tonalities are not the same as the Western-tempered scales. There are even fewer notes, but they're tempered in a different way that sometimes you know, disturbs Western listeners. But anyway, studying and playing gamelan was a really landmark experience for me in a musical way and in just the way of relating to a community of musicians. Where did you start from musically? I mean, I'm trying to figure out how you made this. I think it seems to me like a quantum leap from the culture that we live in over to this Javanese court gamelan. I started out playing piano. My dad was and is a great jazz piano player, improviser. He didn't always do it professionally, but he does now, in fact. But that was my first entree into music. I didn't get a whole lot of training in the beginning. I got a few tips on the piano and I kind of took it from there. I got a few tips on the guitar and I took it from there. I started playing the world of rock, progressive rock, you know, kind of art rock style that is not really static. It's not really of one genre. It kind of mixes things up. I guess I was lucky that my parents had really diverse taste in music. I got exposed to a lot of different things early in my life. But I just naturally gravitated toward the music of Java, India, China, East Asia, just kind of on my own, and dove full force into that after I'd been playing music for a long time. And that helped me develop my own style. So tell us about the specific song that you've picked out for your Song of the Soul, Greg. This particular song is just an example of the Javanese 
court gamelan style and it's really a light classical piece i chose it mostly because it's short and it gives you a snapshot of all the elements of gamelan so buberan hudan mas which is the name of this tune in itself doesn't stand out among the javanese gamelan tradition but it does illustrate all of the ways in which that tradition impacted me especially in that it's oriented around cycles and convergences this is really hard to explain in a technical level but every part has its place in a piece of music and the points in which they coincide or converge are always points in which the lower instrument the lower gong hits a note and this kind of reflects the traditional javanese world view and it also reflects things that are universal things like the rotation of the planets and the way that they converge and how they all follow more or less their own meandering paths but they are all connected in the big picture It's from Javanese Court Gamelan and is selected by Greg Harrigus, who is my guest for today's Song of the Soul, for his first song. It's kind of the base out of which his spiritual journey with music is being shared. Give me a little bit of idea, Greg, if you will, about your background religiously. I've got the clear idea that your parents had a lot of music in their lives and that it was diverse music. What about the other elements of spirituality in your life? I actually grew up without much of a spiritual tradition in my life. I was baptized Catholic, but my parents had kind of floated away from their Catholicism on purpose. 
And basically, I grew up without any spiritual traditions. Music became a sort of a path to finding spirituality in my life and finding a connection with something greater than myself. In adulthood, I've studied other religious traditions, especially Hinduism and Buddhism, and there are elements of those traditions that I integrate into my everyday life. But really the way that I connect with spiritual things is through music and art. It's really the way that I pray. I've also experienced myself and had other guests who've said this, that when you get deep into music, it is a form of meditation. You can have walking meditation, but maybe you can also have playing meditation. Absolutely. That's what it is to me. It's not always what it is. It's many other things. It's exercise. It's intellectual in a lot of ways. But it is very meditative. And the traditions that I've been drawn toward are the ones that are meditative in their nature, but not necessarily only that. For instance, gamelan is meditative, but it's also very mathematical and very intellectual. And the same is true of Hindustani classical music and lots of other East Asian traditions. Well, let's step right along to the second song that you picked for Song of the Soul, Stella. Is this a person in your life? Well, Stella herself was a cat in my life. She was a cat that I grew up with, and she lived to be 21 years old, and she was there through most of my childhood. Basically, she was a constant presence in a relatively isolated life. The song itself is not just about a cat, necessarily, but what the cat represented for me. The tune also uses the literal meaning of Stella, which is star, and it has some kind of star imagery in it. But Stella is also influenced by Javanese gamelan, at least in its arrangement. It began as a piece of guitar music, but the layers that fit over the top and bottom of it are cycling in a way that is very similar to the Javanese gamelan style and played in a scale that is based on Javanese gamelan music and played on very different world instruments like the West African kalimba and the melodica and the upright bowed bass. So the tune is kind of like a piece of world fusion music that is not self-consciously that. It just kind of developed into that on its own. You know, I think whenever I talk of religion or spirituality, I talk about things that give the big picture. That's what I'm hoping to get, because there's a terrible danger that when we go into our own isolated point of view, we start ignoring the welfare of the health of the whole. You mentioned for Bubran Hudan Mas, it's like you have the movement of the planets in there, their separateness and their relationship, how they're bound together. And Stella here, you're talking about stars. I think this means that you have a really cosmic theology through your music. Yeah, I think that's true. Although I haven't sat down and thought about it too much in the process of writing music. But I am very interested in cosmology. A lot of what I do musically does reflect that even though it's kind of based on ancient traditions from other places. There are things like super chords that I try to integrate into what I do. 
And if you listen to ancient Japanese gagaku court music, what you hear is a constant, not necessarily a drone, but a super chord in the background that's played by a mouth organ, and that contains all the notes of the piece of music. If I think about that, what it represents is kind of like what you might connect with the background radiation of the Big Bang, which consists of basically white noise, which is all sounds. What that means is that all sounds, all frequencies, all things, all thoughts are connected with the universe in its primal form. So that kind of explains how we are all connected with each other, how coincidences and synchronicity can happen, because it was all there at the beginning, and it will always be there. I'm not a cosmologist. I'm not a priest. Uh, these are just thoughts that go through my head. And the song that we'll listen to is Stella by Greg Haragas. Greg Haragas is here with us today. That was his song, Stella. 
the stars is what we're talking about and the cosmos. You mentioned something earlier today, and I admit I'm pretty unluttered in terms of the technical aspects of music, but you mentioned that in Asia they don't have as many notes as we do. How is that possible? Isn't there some kind of universal logic to the do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do? No, there isn't, although it's something that's almost been imposed on the world as of now because Western music has come to dominate the world of pop culture. But no, there isn't the universal truth about all that. In fact, there is no such thing as the tempered scale in nature. What the difference is, is, for example, in Javanese music, the scales are tempered in a different way. They're tempered in a way in which all the notes are equally spaced. So there aren't necessarily 12 chromatic notes in a scale, the instruments that are played are metal. They're basically like xylophone and gong instruments that are very limited in the notes that can be played. So usually they're grouped in fives and sevens. And that also comes from the East Asian worldview. Notes that are more in harmony with nature. In Chinese music, you have a lot of that. You have a lot of what we consider major pentatonic because that connects more to things like bird songs and sounds that you hear in nature. But that doesn't necessarily mean that people from that part of the world only hear that many notes. When you hear somebody playing a flute or singing in those traditional styles, you hear a lot of slides between the notes. You hear a lot of what we look at as chromatic playing going on. Well, while we're at it, let's move along to the next song. The next song you've told me is called True Smile, and this happens to be one that you performed at the Great River Folk Festival, which I really think people should check out. It's an annual folk music, dance, and arts festival that's held the end of August down in La Crosse. At Great River, you perform True Smile, which I think is about a yearning for authenticity, getting away from the plastic world. I mean, that's my own interpretation. But what did you mean when you sang it? Well, that's exactly what it was. As I explained in my relatively isolated existence here, I finally found ways of connecting, finding true human connections in between cultures by exploring other traditions and by exploring other cultures. I started writing this tune on the way back from Argentina and what I did in Argentina was attend a guitar craft conference. This is another tradition that we'll get at later on in the program, but it's another tradition in which all of the parts are more or less equal, and the ensemble of guitarists plays as a community with each other. But what that experience showed me was that, as the song goes, somewhere there are people smiling and they mean it, laughing when they feel it, nothing else beneath it. In other words, people who genuinely enjoy their lives and express themselves without motives underneath that necessarily, without the need to sell you something, to get something out of you. So that experience, being the only non-native Spanish speaker among a group of people and actually finding a true human connection with them, that helped spark this song. The song developed over the next couple of years over the course of lots of different experiences. Literally, as I was traveling from the southern to the northern hemisphere, I saw a great difference in the mannerisms of people. 
I can't say that, you know, it was always true, but the smiles became less genuine. There was more of a have a nice day kind of thing going on. The song is True Smile, and it's by Greg Harrigus. Between the 
sending out a true smile to the ones who'll see it. Throwing out a true kiss, hoping you receive. song about something we all want, a true smile, true kiss, real touch of connection. And it's so neat that you were able to find that, Greg. Is this a full-time profession for you, or is it something that you have to have a day job in order to support your need to make great music in the world? It is my full-time profession. I'm incredibly lucky these days. I just received a Bush Composer Fellowship. This Bush person was a philanthropist who left a foundation in his name, and that's for the purpose of supporting art. But even before I was blessed with this thing, I was doing music for a living. If I can say that there's any kind of a day job left, it's what I do in music publishing. I write guitar books for Hal Leonard Publishing. I'm not doing that as much as I used to because my original music is more or less supporting me these days. How many recordings do you have out there in the public domain that people could buy? I have two that are under my name. I have lots of previous recordings with bands in my other life as a kind of neo-art rock lead guitar player. But there are two so far that are in this world eclectic genre under my name. The first is called It Plays Me. On that CD, I worked with a great Chinese pipa player named Gao Hung, who played on a few pieces. And the second one is Tiller Occurrence. We should mention, of course, that your website is gregharrigus.com, and Harrigus is spelled H-E-R-R-I-G-E-S. So that's greg, G-R-E-G, harrigus.com. But rather than having you take notes on that, folks, just remember that you can always go to my website, which is northernspiritradio.org, and you can find there links to Greg and other guests from my show, and you can also listen to this show repeatedly there. Please leave us a comment when you visit. We'd love to hear from you. So, gregharrigus.com is where they can find your music, all the music that you're referring to, right, Greg? Yeah, it's all available there through links, at least. My website itself isn't very sophisticated, but you can link to the New Folk Records website where they have the CDs available. And you can also link to a lot of other downloadable format websites and my own MySpace where you can listen to tracks and find out lots of other things. Well, let's move on to the next song for your Song of the Soul, Greg. Where do you want to go next? What country? I think we just kind of touched with True Smile on Latin America. So perhaps now we'll head over to Asia? Yeah, we will. The next tune, Kap Kun, is a collaboration between myself and a Hindustani singer named Pooja Goswami, who was on my latest CD. I have the privilege of performing with her sometimes. It began as my kind of ode to Thailand, and musically it's not very Thai, but it came out of me while I was in Thailand. and. It's kind of an expression of the peacefulness I felt there, at least in the north of Thailand, not necessarily Bangkok. Pooja came in 
and put her own melody on top of this guitar progression. I ended up altering the progression to suit her melody, too. So it was a true collaboration, and it consists of her singing in a Tumri style, kind of a light Hindustani classical style, and singing a song about longing for her beloved. And as she sings this over the top of my more or less Western chord progression, there are little moments of tension in between the two, and I left those moments of tension in there because they were perfect for the tune. was Cap Coon, performed by Greg Carragas, and I think that was Pooja, who was the singer. Is that right? 
Yes, Pooja Goswami. She is a great Hindustani classical vocalist who happens to live in Minnesota now. So are you saying that she performs with you sometimes? Are you with her or however that works? Yes, she does. She actually sang on the CD and she performs kind of as a special guest with my group. And she is now married to my primary tabla player that I work with named Pavan. You said, Greg, that the lyrics to that song were about love and relationship, stuff that's pretty universal. And certainly a lot of people's lives are formed around their beliefs about such things. I don't know if it's possible or not, but I wonder if there are elements, you know, threads, beliefs, which you derive from or express in music, which you could use to guide your daily spiritual or moral life. That's a question that I can't really answer in words. It's one of those ineffable things that art does to us. Art and music, by its nature, it expresses the inexpressible. And the experience of spirituality through music, I guess I can't really explain what it does to me in words. How often do you do music? I mean, is this a daily thing all day long? I think you've got a lot of different instruments that you need to keep practicing on, right? Yeah. My primary instruments are guitar and Greek bazooki, but I also still play piano and keyboards and sing. And yeah, music is really a part of my everyday life. It's just always there. Even when I'm not playing it or I'm doing things relating to it to make a living, everything I do relates to music in one way or another, even the things I do purely for money. <laughs> but yeah, I do practice daily, and there was never a lot of discipline in my self-training as a musician, but luckily I just loved it enough that I disciplined myself with it and kept on doing it because it's just my favorite thing to do. Well, let's move to song number five. Tell us about it, what it's called, and where does it come from? This is a piece that I play on the Greek bazooki, but it's not Greek music at all. It's called Sugar in the Milk. And what I did was I took a Persian classical theme from a kind of a standard improvisation that is heard in ancient Persian classical music. I adapted it, of course, to a Western scale for the Greek bazooki, and turned it into a expanding and resolving piece of music. Ended up using this to accompany one of Zarawar Mystery's children's stories from India. And in this, he tells the story of the Zoroastrians, or the Parsis, from Persia, who traveled to India over 2,000 years ago and became the Parsi community, which is a tiny little community of Zoroastrians who still live in India and around the world. I can give a little bit of the story in the nutshell as it relates to the title. Basically, these were oppressed people who fled from their homeland because of wars and oppression, and they got to the coast of India, and the leader of this group of people asked if they could stay here wasn't a very large group of people. The local leader from this community in India came out and he said, no, we're sorry, there's no more room. The cup is full. And to illustrate this, he showed this full cup of milk that was filled to the rim. The leader of the Zoroastrians took a little pinch of sugar and he put it in the milk. And he said, we will be like the sugar in the milk. And 
that was his way of charming the local king and being able to stay. There's a lot that goes on in this tune musically. What I'm doing in this song is kind of compensating for the microtones that you hear in Persian classical music. My way of compensating for this was to bounce in between scales on the bazooki. And without getting too technical, this just created the slight bits of tension and resolution that you hear throughout this piece. The piece is Sugaring the Milk by Greg Harrigus. Each time that I say that by Greg Harrigus, I always think that I should be saying telluric currents or maybe that it comes from some other place in the universe that's bigger than just Greg Harrigus. That was Sugar in the Milk, by the way. What do you think of that, Greg, the something in the bigger in the universe that's making this music? Yeah, well, that's why my first CD was called It Plays Me. It just comes from the idea that when I'm kind of in the zone, when I'm playing and I feel it coming out of me and I experience the kind of ecstasy that comes with that, I feel like there's something bigger at work here. This isn't just the effect of the artist. You know, it's not simply one person's creation. It's something being tapped into that's a lot bigger than me. We need to keep moving along because I think you've got two more songs you want to share. 
Rama Be Good, I think is next. Are you a particular devotee of Rama? No, not necessarily, but I love the Ramayana and I love the stories in that. And I have a cat named Rama, and I named him that because the name itself means charming, and he is the charming one among my cats. So this tune kind of captures Rama the cat's personality, but also captures Rama the hero's personality. The title Rama Be Good comes from it being a little bit rock and roll and a little bit kind of Rajasthani style folk Indian music with the little western classical thrown in the center of it. And all this came together around the personality of my cat who is another constant presence in my life and kind of embodies all these things himself. So it's just another piece of world fusion music that came together by itself.
That was Rama Be Good by Greg Harrigus. Greg, in order to grab these things out of Indian culture, does that mean that you have to try to go to each of these countries and try to spend a significant amount of time there? You can certainly get portions of the music and culture from visitors to your home, but I think that you probably can best absorb the undercurrents of the culture and the music on site, don't you think? Yeah, and ideally I would be traveling to all these places. I haven't made it to India yet, but as you say, I have dove into the Indian culture and the Indian community and also studied the music pretty deeply and the culture itself. This is something I hope to do, and the more I travel, the more knowledge I'm going to glean and the more I'm going to grow as an artist because of it. Well, all of the music that you selected for today's Song of the Soul, only the first song was not by you, and this last song. So let's go on to the final song. Why are we going out with a song by someone else when there's so much good music by Greg Harrigus that people should be checking out? Well, I'm taking it more or less full circle here. We started out with one thing that really impacted me as a musician, and this last piece is Asturias, which is played by the League of Crafty Guitarists. And this is a worldwide system for ensemble guitar playing that was started by Robert Fripp, who was known as the King Crimson guitarist and leader of that group. But he's developed this system of guitar playing that really impacted me. And this is what I flew to Argentina to study, actually. And while I was there, this piece of music was played live by the advanced ensemble of guitar craft performers. It was a landmark experience for me at that time, but musically, what happens in guitar craft is very powerful for me because it is another musical community type of experience, much in the same way that Indonesian gamelan is. Every player is equal. There is not necessarily a soloist, although there can be, but each player is totally dependent on each other. When you experience that kind of dependence, you really experience what it's like to be part of a real community or a family. In the course of this journey, I sort of discovered myself as someone who's connected to the rest of the human race and the rest of the world and the rest of the universe.
the song is Asturias. It's by the League of Crafty Guitarists. It's the final song today for Greg Harrigus's Song of the Soul. Greg, oh, you've got upcoming dates, places you'll be performing. By the time this airs, I think you'll have been in Eau Claire. Where else are you going? Uh, where do people check out your schedule? On my website, gregharrigus.com, there's a gigs page, and that should list most of my concerts, except for the ones that are really on the spot and I get called in to do. I will be at the Hosmer Library in Minneapolis on Saturday, September 26th. That's a concert that I just set up, and that's a really nice, intimate place to play in the basement, one of the conference rooms of this little library where they kind of hold a world music series. It's a very nice hidden gem in the Twin Cities. After that, I'm going to be doing a St. Paul Library concert with the full group, including tabla and Hindustani vocal. That's going to be October 14th. And next day, I'm up in Hayward, Wisconsin. The next week, I'm in Oak Center, Mankato, Minnesota State University, and so on and so forth. But it's all listed on gregharrigus.com. I'll put it on my site so people go from northernspiritradio.org and find out gregharrigus.com what's going on with you. Thanks so much for joining me, and thanks for the gift of music that you shared at the Great River Folk Festival and today for Song of the Soul. Thank you very much for having me, and thank you for listening. That was Greg Harrigus, leader of the ensemble, Teller Occurrence, today's Song of the Soul guest. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy Let in the light It will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song of the soul Time.